0: Friends, can you believe that we have come already to the final episode of season one of the Deep Place podcast? Can you believe it? I cannot believe it at all. We have been going, this is our 13th episode right now, and we've had a wonderful season. Uh, full of really incredible interviews that we've done, uh, and Joy and I have had wonderful, great incredible Just fantastic chats about lots of things. I hope you've enjoyed uh, listening to this season as much as we enjoyed doing it. It hasn't all been smooth sailing for us. Some of you might know that Joy has been sick of late and she's also pregnant with her sixth child. And, um, which is massive and huge. And so joy has had a, a really huge last few months. So any um, all of your prayers and good vibes and thoughts and anything that will uh, go towards joy to to say we love you, sister. And um, may you continue to bring your goodness and incredibleness out into the world. Uh, In fact, she is continuing to do that all the time as she does. There's, as even though we're, we're, ending our first season of this podcast now there's a few different ways that you can keep on gate en- and keep on engaging with joy and i over this next while we're not sure exactly when um, we'll get to season two maybe towards the end of the year sometime um, we're still got to work all of that kind of stuff out but in the meantime one of the ways that you can connect with with joy's work still is she's putting on uh once again this will be her second run through of uh the aperture of the heart uh, online course that she does. Um, her second run going to start on July 10th. So we're talking like nine days away, uh, not long at all. And you would be crazy to miss this. Uh, some of the I've just been reading through some of the testimonials from the students that she had during her first time of running through it. If you want to hear more about um, more about the content and all that it involves, uh, episode five of the Deep Place podcast uh, is all about kind of Joy's heart around aperture of the heart. Um, and so make sure you go and have a listen to episode five if you haven't, and then you can go to apertureoftheheart.com and check it all out there. Um, and some of the testimonials are things like this class has been a soothing balm for my heart that I hardly knew I needed. Joy has a way of walking into the seams of your heart gently, tenderly and in utmost care and giving you tools to courageously begin the mending, the healing of the creative soul once more. How amazing does that sound? So definitely... Uh, Make sure you go to apertureoftheheart.com and have a look at Joy's Joy's second run uh, of her online course, which is starting July 10th, not too soon at all. The other thing that's going to be happening uh, a little bit after Joy's course, uh, I'm really excited to announce um, that I'm also going to be running an online course this year. Um, People have been asking me to do so for a long time and, and I just haven't got around to it, but this year is the year... And so on September 9th, uh, my course is going to be starting. And you can, I've just just kind of launched registration and everything now for it. So you can go to McCarroweducation.com And there you'll see the course is called uh, A Clearing in the Forest, an online writing course for cultivating artistry and self growth through the creative process. And this is a little ad that I did for it. You can have a listen now. So after 10 years within the creative industries, working hard on many different projects and after teaching about the creative process to over 30,000 people during this time, I thought I finally needed to bring together all of this learning into a space where others could engage, an online course, a creative process course. This is what I invite you into today, to carve some space in your life, a clearing in the forest. So basically, a clearing in the forest is an invitation for all of us in the chaos of our lives just to slow down and to come back to uh, to ourselves, to come back to kind of sitting with ourselves and looking at ourselves, and in that place, being able to write, being able to take a pen to a piece of paper and begin that creative process, and and it's kind of a the course is kind of an intersection of both um, kind of self work and inner reflection um, with a very intentional um, skill creative process-based framework and so I'm going to be going through my framework for how I craft and write my poetry, my fiction, my non-fiction, all the things that I write um, and kind of showing showing you this intentional way that I, um, that I go from a blank page from having absolutely nothing all the way through to where I am able to invite people into the experience of what I have written. Now, now it is from a uh, a written perspective, but it's not just for writers. If you're hearing this and you're like, "Well, I'm not a writer," that's that's totally fine. Um, it's for any creatives. Any person who wants to um, begin with writing, taking writing and to use writing as a way to um, translating that into your own creative process, into all the things that you do. But I mean, all of us uh, are writing in different ways, even those who are just um, putting things up on Instagram and all that kind of stuff to be able to uh, take your work and to bring words to it is actually really important in our Uh, in our world today to be heard. Um, It's it's, it's such a crucial uh, skill to have, an ability to have. And so I kind of want to show you how to use writing to move people, how to use writing to inspire people, how to use writing to um, to reflect on your own life and and do some some of the work. We're going to talk a little bit in today's episode of the podcast about restoring your life. And I'm going to talk a little bit about that within my um, within my online course, just in in a bunch of different ways. Um, but it's I remember hearing just the other day from someone who was saying um, they've begun to write about their own story and. Uh, they started writing, and really quickly, w- what they thought they were writing about, it began to change. And actually, they needed to write about their dad and their relationship with their dad, and that's what was coming out in the writing. And they were just trying to work out where where to go to from there. How do I take um, if if the questions that are coming up in me, if if what my life questions and and what is what, what things are coming up in me that are calling me into for, for this person into reflecting on my dad, then, then how do I get into that? How do I, um, how do I move into that and write and create out of that? And so we're going to be looking at kind of four, the four major movements of my, uh, creative process beginning, um, with inspiration where we, uh, how we can open our ears and our eyes to the world um, to begin to create out of, crafting that space that we need uh, to find the, the fragments of uh, inspiration that are there for us, moving into taking those, those fragments and crafting them into, um, be it poetry or story um, or reflection-based or whatever it might be. It's, it's how to take that inspiration and begin to get it down on the page and then begin to develop that and find the kind of freedom and flow within that. And then how to take those words and the the third step in my uh, creative process being one of construction? How do I take um, all the stuff that I've written and really work hard on it and and bring the best out of it? Uh, then moving into the fourth step being the invitation. Um, so that's a very, very brief overview of kind of the creative process framework that I want to take you uh, through within this course. So uh, I would love to have you if you're interested go and have a look at Um it's been a wonderful thing to bring together and I'm so excited to be able to share this with the world um, and with all you creative people out there there's also an early bird discount just for the next three weeks so go and have a look and register before then if you can um so we're about to now listen to the final episode. Um it's Joy and I chatting about the stories of our life and how um, creativity can restory our life. So sit back and relax. Uh, enjoy this final episode with Joy and I chatting and then check out apertureoftheheart.com and joelmccarroweducation.com for you to get some your your joy and Joel filling uh, while we uh, have a pause on this podcast till we get to second season. Thanks so much, everyone. Uh, it's been so great doing this first season. I hope you enjoy this final episode. The Deep Place on Creativity and Spirituality
1: My name is Joy proudy
0: And I'm Joel Maccaro
1: Welcome to our podcast.
0: once again are in where are you joy
1: coming to you from nashville tennessee
0: and i am coming to you all the way from melbourne australia technology these days we can talk to each other and podcast across the waters
1: across the entire world
0: isn't that incredible
1: it really is
0: thanks technology <laughs> let me start with a quote from anne lamotte one of our favorites we write to expose the unexposed If there is one door in the castle that you have been told not to go through, you must. Otherwise, you'll just be rearranging furniture in rooms you've already been in. Most human beings are dedicated to keeping that one door shut, but the writer's job is to see what's behind it, to see the bleak, unspeakable stuff, and to turn the unspeakable into words and not just any words but if we can into rhythm and blues
1: it's like there's uh, five bricks on my heart on my chest you know that was one of those where i just i couldn't i couldn't breathe
0: yeah yeah how easy it is to to rearrange deck chairs <laughs> rather than going to the deeper stuff
1: joel i literally rearrange my furniture in my house when there's n- when i am the most anxious. I've been doing it since I was a child. My mom says I've trained all my children now, but it's like, I know there's nothing that I can do, but if I, I think somehow if I can just rearrange the furniture and make it seem a little bit better here, I'll feel better. But then it's like, there's never any final arrangement that makes me better.
0: Yeah, absolutely. No, because it takes a deeper working, doesn't it? It takes opening that door. Um, one of my, there's a really amazing crew over here called the um, Transfiguration Community. And one of the values of their community is to disarm the world, we first need to disarm our own hearts. To disarm the world, we first need to disarm our own hearts. And I just, like, I look around at all of my um, passionate activist friends, and I look around at my creative friends, all these people who are seeking to disarm the world, seeking to do something to bring about a better place in this world. And, um, and, and what I see and what I saw in my life is when I'm not disarming my own heart, like I look back at my life and what I actually see is a trail of broken relationships in, in the wake of my passion to, to make this world a better place. If I haven't disarmed my own heart, I actually end up fracturing a whole lot of stuff and breaking a whole lot of people and relationships. And so um, to choose to open that doorway, as Mary says, to choose to disarm our own heart as people who are passionate about changing the world, it's so important. It's so important. So a lot of my work has been, has revolved around identity in the past, identity identity. Around who we are um, and how we see ourselves, and so before before kind of creativity took over my life, um, before poetry took over my life, I am um, I was doing a whole lot of work with young people um, around identity. So I was actually running a course um, for seventeen to twenty four year olds, focused around. Um, their own identity and self-understanding. So it was a lot of people going into youth work or into youth ministry, into churches, into different places, um, counselling, whatever it might be. And it was kind of a year of, of self-confrontation, get your own shit right, <laughs> work through your own stuff before you try and disarm your own heart before you try to disarm the world around you. Um, and so yes. a lot of my my understanding, a lot of my teaching, a lot of my study really all of my study was based around that, around the spiritual journeys of young people, which, um, I'll definitely do, uh, we'll do a whole podcast on at some point because I've got a book coming out at the end of the year about that, but I won't promo that now. We'll talk about that another time.
1: Yes. Congratulations. Um,
0: um, <laughs> but so a lot of my focus was around identity formation, journeying with young people. Um, we'd have about 30 or 40 young people come and be part of this course and, um, each year and, um, they're working with them through their self-understanding, through who they're going to be in their life, all that kind of stuff. And what ended up happening is I ended up, um, when poetry took over my life, I ended up leaving that, finishing that up. And, and one of my um, feelings as I was doing that was, am I just, am I leaving behind this? beautiful thing of journeying alongside young people and helping them understand life and the world and God and everything else. And, um, for this selfish, creative enterprise of, of writing poetry, how self-grandizing is that? Um, it was kind of the fear words that were in my head, like, hmm. um, and so, but what, what I, what ended up happening, actually, I realized that all the work that I'd been doing with young people before poetry took over my life, when poetry became my thing it actually I was doing the same stuff like in all the poetry workshops that I was doing that I have run over the years in the um in the poetry performances that I do I'm always it's all about identity and how we see ourselves and how the stories that we the stories that we tell about ourselves in this world and um Mm -hmm. and so what it meant for me is is seeing that identity formation, who we are and who we become is so incredibly interlinked with, um, with creativity, with the stories that we tell and how we tell them.
1: Yes. Yes. I'm soaking up every word you're saying. So continue on.
0: (laughs) Wonderful. (laughs) Um,
1: (laughs) Well, I mean i I, I love I, the, everything that you're saying about identity is everything that's been revealed to me in my work as well. Yeah. You know that when you're looking at someone, when you're working with someone up close, when I'm taking a picture of someone the the number one thing they say is that they are not they you know they're not worthy to be photographed or huh. they are terrified of being seen or really it comes down to who when they when they're asking what should I wear uh, at the at the photo shoot what what they're really saying is, who am I? Who, who am I showing myself to be? And so it really, it, it's all, everyone it's, it all comes down to identity. So I love what you're talking about and how that was revealed through the different avenues, um, where you were doing your work.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, um, what for me then, I suppose, began to happen, where, where it began to change in some sense was that um, with creativity, what my creativity and therefore what my identity work began to all be shaped around was the idea of, of story. Um, obviously, story sits at the heart. As a, as a poet, I'm obsessed with stories. Um, I love stories and I think, and I really do, and kind of what I want to talk through is, I really do think that story sits at the heart of who we are as both a society and who we are as individuals, um, the stories that we tell i mean we were just talking before about um, about uh, Bohemian Rhapsody and about um, Mary Poppins. These are the stories that we tell in our society, and they 're fascinating stories those two stories, but always we 're telling stories every society is telling stories about who they are through media, through advertising, through okay. movies, through all that kind of stuff. And we also individually are telling stories about who we are. Um, one of my favourite quotes is, quotes is a guy named Milan Kundera. Um, he says that, um, let me find it quickly here. He says, the first step in liquidating a people is to erase its memory, destroy its books, its culture, its history... And then have somebody write new books and manufacture a new culture, invent a new history. Before long, the nation will begin to forget what it is and what it was. In other words, like the first step in in the destruction of a people is to take away their stories, to mm-hmm. have them forget who they are. And I suppose that's why, like, that's why towards the end of people's lives, when they begin to lose their memory, it's such a tragic thing because because memory and story sits at the heart of who we are as people in like as society but also as individuals as people. We see it all the time in terms of all the time in terms of society. So over here in Australia the the genocide of our indigenous peoples was the stripping of their story, the taking away of their story. We took away their stories, their their dreamtime stories. And when you take away someone's stories then you can just treat them however you want to treat them. You dehumanize them because you take away their stories. So there was no law in Australia that you couldn't shoot an Aboriginal. There was no law. You that it was it was legal wow. to do so. It was complete just just the same as in America. There was complete genocide of our First Nations, our Indigenous peoples over here. Mm. Um, mm. Take away story, and you can do that. Or or I think about the the square. I've got to go to um, the square in Berlin, where all the books were burnt. Um, mm. Like one of the main squares, it's one of the uh. the most famous pictures from the war of where the books were burnt and there's this inscription on the ground Wow! um, and I remember kneeling down on the ground in in this square in Berlin and, and the inscription reads the burning of books is only the beginning where the books are burnt they will burn the people Mm. here's what I would say kind of coming on from that, though, as someone who's obsessed with stories and why I believe that creativity, that poetry, that writing, that, that filmmaking, anything that you're doing is so crucial and so important because if it's true that the first step in the destruction of a people is to take away their stories, then it must be also true that the first step in the restoration of a people is the restoring of their stories the the remembering of who they are before the before the violence of life stole their true story from them who they truly are um helping someone to to name that to read to to reown their name um to reown their story to know who they are at the heart of themselves before that got squashed and stolen um that's what we get to do as storytellers. That's what we get to do as people who work with others to help them tell their own story is we are we are helping people to remember who they are and thereby restoring their dignity, their self-worth, um, the very core of who they are. That's the power of storytelling.
1: Wow. Yes. Yes. And it's, and you, you just, the way that you teach it, I mean, I've, I've been there when you've taught this, um, yeah. in a group setting and, uh, to see people, uh, I'm it's, I, I wish that I was hearing it for the first time because <laughs> I'm, uh, I, the, when I first heard you speak about it yes. and I'm imagining other people hearing you on this podcast for the first time, kind of starting to digest the the stories that they've told themselves or been told. Um, but when I saw, when I saw you working with people Mm -hmm. and them remembering, or even really maybe being told for the first time, you are beloved, basically, if it could put some, Mm. you know, sum it up into one word, belovedness. Mm. Um, to be told that, uh, to, uh, I think people so rarely are looked in the eye and you, the way that you see people, the way that you just look there and you don't look away. Mm. It, um, it's a very intimate knowing where people, they believe you mm. when you tell them. Mm. And so to, to just for people that are hearing you talk about this, to just have that understanding of it's, it's, it's everything that you're saying mixed with this incredible dose of gentleness, um, Mm. that I think really allows it to happen. It has to Mm. be really, you you know, it's uh, the way you're talking about it. I'm imagining people trying to figure out how can I do this? How can I do this by myself? How can I do this at home? How can I do this without a a guide? You know, um, what's, what are some of the ways that, you know, that people can, I mean, how do you even begin to to, to look at that.
0: Yeah. Well, I actually want to, within this podcast, as we, as we go along today, to give people just a few things that they could do um, at home and definitely don't have to do. Because as soon as we go into story, one of the reasons why we, why we don't go there, why we don't open that door is because um, in, through some of those doors is some, some shadow and some can be some nightmarish stuff. And so it's really important yes. to have a supportive community around you. So as you're listening to this as well today and it, and the different things that I, that I might say to do, please kind of self-register um, and self-check. And if you can't go there, because it, sometimes it requires going there, like if you can't go there in any of this stuff, then that is so totally fine. Um, please don't push yourself into a place where you're processing through stories that you're not ready to process through and don't have the support networks around you to do so. Um, yeah, I suppose just a little warning there as we get into this today and think about stories.
1: Thank you. That's exciting. I'm really glad that you're going to be working with in that way. Cause I think that's so, it's going to be really valuable. Yeah. Thank you.
0: Yeah. Oh, no worries. So, um, so then my beloved friend, uh, John O'Donohue, he says that that what poetry is poetry is a fascinating conversation with your unknown self poetry is a fascinating conversation with your unknown self it allows you to we've talked in this podcast before about kind of the um the the idea of the iceberg that we that we as people are like twenty percent above the water and eighty percent sits below the water it 's like poetry and creativity allows you to go under the water allows you to go to those mm. those things that people don 't get to see of who we are um, and to begin to explore them and express them and and challenge some of them as well so in in relation to story if if, if creativity. Uh, and poetry and all the things that we do, filmmaking, whatever it might be, if it is a way of of repairing our memory, let's say that of the trueness of who we are. Um, one of the one of the ways that I think about a person is that we—it's almost like we have our true self, who we truly are, the best version of ourselves. Like the what what Christians might say from our tradition would be the um, you made in the image of God. And, and God who has said, who you are, just as you, it is enough. It is beyond enough. It is amazing. We have our true self, the best version of self ever. But then it's like the, the stuff of life happens, the brokenness of life happens, the pain of life happens, the abuse, the words, the bullying, the, the parents leaving, fighting, whatever it might be, all of that happens throughout our life. And on top of our true self gets dumped our broken self and it hides that hides our true self um and, and but we don't want to let people see that broken self so on top of our broken self we then put on our project what i call our projected self um it's the masks that we wear to keep to so that we don't have to show people what our broken stuff is um and so part of i think the process of creativity can be and and especially um, when we're talking about stories and reflecting on who we are, part of it, I think, is actually this willingness to to take down the masks, to take down mm. that projected self and mm. to journey through that broken self stuff that's there so that we can then begin to live out of our true self. And, though I mean, those three, mm. they're always going to be wrestling around inside us, aren't they? The Our true self and our broken self and our projected self, that's like always Mm -hmm. the wrestle within us Um, and different different ones of those will have a predominant (laughs) say at different times in our lives. I don't know if you've, have you felt that?
1: Yes, I love how you're talking about it right now because I was thinking, well it seems like you really know this Subject quite well, mm-hmm. so I would wonder if um, the wrestling is not as bad or <laughs> not as intense as it once was. But in my own journey as a, a highly sensitive person doing a creative job, yeah. the more I've learned is the more sen- you know. The, the more I take all my heart walls away, yeah. uh, the more sensitive I am to be to being a more functional and um, radiant vessel, which takes a lot more of my energy. Which I then was thinking, well, it mm-hmm. must because you're making things that are so valuable the Mm. wrestle has to be quite intense because that's what indicates that something is really valuable
0: yeah absolutely Absolutely. at least in
1: my experience yeah
0: that wrestle so it
1: doesn't get easier right no Um,
0: unfortunately no I think I mean I think the wrestle is the thing that we that's our lifelong journey isn't it the wrestle between these three things (laughs) seeking to live out of our true self and our, our broken self keeps clawing at us um and, and our need to project out who we want people to see us as. Um, that's, that's life. That's the rest of the rest of our lives.
1: Do you start to develop a little bit more of a keen clarity um, about how to, you know, what you're being called to do or, <laughs> you know, like the, the, things are made more evident to you than they were, once were?
0: Absolutely. I think because you know, when we choose to ignore all this stuff, it's still there the wrestle still happening inside us we're just ignoring it we're just living out of our projected self and thinking that that's the entirety of who we are but when we can begin to and it comes back to when we can begin to to name these things, to take that murky mess inside us and begin to um, separate it out and name, these are th- this is the stuff of my true self, this is the stuff of my broken self, this is the stuff of my projected self. That kind of clarity absolutely begins to happen and, and it needs to happen for us to disarm our own heart because our hearts are filled with all of these three things. So that's what I'm always seeking to do and it brings it back to that quote, if the first step in the destruction of a people is to take away their stories the first step in the restoration of people is is doing this the the re the coming back to our stories and naming them and remembering who remembering who we are because here's the thing and, and maybe this will take us into the next part is this is um is that who we are our identity what sits at the heart of of kind of identity formation theory. Um, There's a guy named Eric Erickson, who's a psychologist that anyone who's studied psychology would know. Um, Eric Erickson says that identity formation is a psychological process reflecting a social process. A psychological Mm -hmm. process reflecting a social process. In other words, it's a process that's happening inside our brains, inside who we are, but it's reflecting a social process. Those we know who we are based around those people that are around us. Um, they they are a mirror to us of who we become. So as as a kid, your family, and then you get to friends and media and, and the world around you as you grow up. Um, but what? so what I would say, and this is what I try to tell as many people as I can because I think it's really, really important, is that who you are, your identity, is not made up of the things that have happened to you in your life. Rather, who you are is made up of the stories that you tell about those things that have happened to you in your life. And there's a huge difference between those two things. It's not what has happened to you, but it's the stories that you tell about what has happened. So you can have two people and they go through the exact same experience. Um, and maybe it's a really hard experience that they've gone through. And one person, they come out and, and the stories that they tell is like, oh, the whole world is against me and everything goes wrong for me. I can't do anything right and God's never around. God has totally disappeared and life just sucks and I can't do this life and life is hopeless. That, our, our, our stories become us. Like that person becomes. Um, that will be their identity. They will, they will take that victim identity and play that out in the rest of their life. That's the truth that they're going to live out of. But you can have someone who goes through that exact same experience and they come out and the story that they tell is, you know what, if I could, if I could beat that, I can beat anything. Like I am I'm a courageous survivor. Look at what I just fought through. I could, I could do anything in this world come on, come at me, world, let's go, let's go. Like, that's two very different trajectories of life based on the one experience.
1: I just wanted to share with you this really special thing when you were talking, because this has been, I mean, this has been my journey over this past year of rewiring my brain uh, out of fear to to choose joy and um, beautiful things instead. Um, But even things like... uh, drinking soda, you know, like, uh, when I felt really alone for a long time, I could like, you know, it's, it's his addiction Like anything else, my fear addiction was being fed by my, um, addiction of soda or whatever, having something to lean to that I, you know, someone, it would give a very small burst of some good feeling. Mm. Um, and so it's, I, I see it's a choice, right? But when it gets to the point, I'm just wondering, uh, okay wondering when, when you decide to start making those choices, yeah. clearly it's painful. Yeah. Um, and so you, I'm just thinking having a very important reason. I mean, it, it, it uh, most people don't get to this place of seeking out restoring their life unless they've hit some sort of a rock bottom. Would mm-hmm. you say that's true?
0: Uh, yeah. Unless they're being guided into it. Yep. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Yep. Because I think you, you have to really recognize it's necessary. Yeah. Um, because it's nobody's making us do that. We can have the same kind of, you know, the same kind of whatever average life is before. But to have extraordinary life, it ha- you have to really want it. Yeah. And that's hard.
0: Yeah. Um, Especially when you've told yourself for a long time you don't deserve it.
1: Yes. Well, that's a whole, that's yeah. a, that's a, yes, a continual. I'm recognizing that more and more as a common thing that I've believed as a lie. But still, it's like you fall into those places and you don't even realize you're down in that hole again. And then you, yeah. when you have to start saying the things out loud, you're like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. You know, you slip in so easy. It's hard to find it.
0: In, um Cognitive Behavioural Therapy, they look at what we're talking about in terms of um, that you will have an event, Uh, let's say an event A, let's say a mouse runs into your room where you are right now, Joy, and, and you jump up onto your chair and you squeal your little heart out. Um, We would all think that the event A, the mouse coming into the room, is what caused consequence C, which was you jumping up and screaming. But what cognitive behavioural therapy kind of says is that it wasn't event A at all that caused it. It was B that caused the consequence and B is the beliefs that you have about event A. The, the stories that you tell about event A, that is what caused consequence C. It's the stories you tell about mice. That's, that's why you jumped up in the chair. If you told the story that mice are little, beautiful, cute little creatures, um, if that was the story you believed, then you would have just sat there and you would have welcomed the mouse like you, um, like you did the wasp you were talking about in a podcast the other day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you, welcomed the, you welcomed this mouse. That would be a totally different story. What I would say therefore, and this is where it starts to really come back into creativity and, and thinking about and storytelling is this, is, is if it's true that who you are, your identity is not made up of what has happened to you, but, but the stories that you tell about what has happened to you, then it is also true that when you begin to change the stories that you tell about yourself you begin to change the very fabric of who you are, your identity. If you've been telling stories for a long time about how everything goes wrong for you and and the world sucks and, and life just doesn't go right, our stories become us. That's who you've become. But as you begin to actually challenge those stories and recognise there's a different way to see it, we have, and this is, the again, the power of story, is we have the power to to reframe our lives to restory our lives to restory who we are because what we tend to do is we tend to it's almost like we tend to in our brains when stuff has happened to us we have this story that we tell we'll call it our framing story and and everything else then we we kind of change in our minds the stories that we're telling about everything else to match our framing story so if my framing story is i'm worthless mm-hmm then everything else, what we do is we highlight all the things in our memory that would prove that I'm worthless and we put everything else into the dark that would prove that that's wrong. So we, re- we clearly remember all the times that someone said this and that person did that and I couldn't do that and I couldn't do that when there's just as many times that we kind of just ignore, we, don't rem- we choose not to remember because it doesn't fit with our framing story that showed me being courageous, that showed me pushing past this, that showed that what that person said was a lie, was not right. Um, we have all of these things, but we, we have very selective memory, let's put it like that. Um, so what that means for us in our creativity is, is for me, that's what creativity is. Creativity is rewriting my story poetry is a way of restoring my life, of, of remembering my true self, who I was, who I have always been, but I've just forgotten it. That's what writing allows me to do. That's what filming allows, allows you to do. That's what, photog- that's what any creativity allows any of us to do, is to remember our, our truest self.
1: Yes. Oh, I love that. And I can't help but think as a as a photographer thinking about this as in pictures, um, you know, the picture, the, the story mm-hmm. that we're telling about ourselves in the way that we present ourselves on social media, or if we, uh, lots of mothers, they say, oh, I'm not worthy of being in photographs. And so they don't they don't appear yeah. in any of the photographs and all of the they're absent um, yeah. and so that's the story they also tell themselves when they're feeling bad about themselves well I'm absent well I'm this I'm you know I'm not and so I'm hearing a lot of what you're saying and a lot of the things I've heard um, women say to me um, in photo shoot scenarios and then when they see the pictures and they see that just their children holding them then they see oh i could look like this this is me this is what it could be like Uh, because they they can't see what they're seeing is not actually what's visible
0: Do you have a story, Joy, that you have had to re-story in your life?
1: Uh, I used to travel a lot, and uh, every time I would leave, I, I thought I was going to die. Every time I was going to get on the airplane, I would think, "Wow, well, this is it. This is the last." And you know, part of that comes with growing up with my dad threatening to kill himself so often that you know right, I just right. thought if there's, if it seems like people are afraid of this because you might die, I should be afraid of that too. Uh, (laughs) And so, um, you know, I would just, every time I would leave my kids, it would be traumatizing for my spirit. Um, and I think that they, you know, really kind of absorb that too, uh, that I was, terrified to leave because, you know, I would put my hand, I would, sometimes I would leave in the night and I would put my hands over the crib and just make sure they were breathing and just take them in and really focus and memorialize their, their face in my mind. Cause I knew every time I was going mm. down. Mm. And um, and so it got to a point where it was just so debilitating, and I had to keep traveling. And and so you know I had to, and it was Anne Voskamp's one of her quotes. It was it really I remember when I saw it. I was in a hotel, and it said, um, "Fear is the knot that strangles you. Untangle that knot by circling your life with truth." Mm. And I thought, "What is true? What is true?" And uh, and the truth was that the chance of me dying on the airplane was not really that good. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. Like what were, let's look at the actual odds of things, (laughs) the truth of things that's not just painted by my fear that was instilled in me. You know, where was it instilled from? My father, you know, where did this come from? And so I realized it was just putting my body into a state of toxic stress um, that would manifest it in panic and migraines and all kinds of things. Um, And so I just made a choice to when I leave, when I began to leave after that, I would say, okay, we're all going to be happy for mommy to be able to leave and go on the trip so that we can all have special time with, you know, you guys get special time with daddy and, you know, just starting to like recognize all these things, start to, to paint it in a different way. So I wasn't like... Really, I, I was not letting that brick uh, weigh my heart down. And when I would leave, I would think, okay, this is an adventure. And this, mm. can be, this can be exciting. I can get a lot done. I can go and eat meals without anyone bothering me. You know, like I, I would have <laughs> yeah. to really co- coach myself, yeah. you know, tell yeah. myself those new, new true things. Um, and, and it really made a big difference.
0: Yeah, well, poetry is about relearning who you are. Writing for me is about relearning who you are. Any creativity is is relearning the true stories of who you are. Um, and and I'd say as well, this is not about um I'm not saying that this is about justifying our horrible actions that were done to you. Like this is not about saying, well, that's fine then that dad was abusive, Well, that's fine that whatever it might be for you. That's not this at all. This is not this is not really even about the person. It's about your response. It's about choosing a different response because no matter what was done to you or what happened for you, um, sometimes the, in the wake of what happened, you, the, what happens in the wake is just as um, poisonous as what happened in the event itself because we take what has happened and we construe it in ways that it just keeps on poisoning us and keeps on poisoning us and keeps on poisoning us. So this is a choice not to this is not even a choice to forgive people yet or anything like that. This is simply a choice to to say if this if I could tell a different story around this for me what what would that be? So, friends I don't know what your stories are I don't know the stories that you tell about yourself to yourself but I hope that uh, this episode has given you just a new way to think about how you talk to yourself and how you talk about yourself and maybe have a think through some of those stories that you do tell and and if there are better more generous kinder stories that you could be telling this has been the final episode of season one of the Deep Place podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. And as you have a break from listening to our voices, may you continue to tell stories and to create. May you continue to restory those things that need to be restoried in your life. Have a wonderful few months, and we will catch you soon.